Welcome, Voltron fans, to Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. I am your host, Mark Morell, and joining me this week is my co-host, Greg Tyler. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. It has been a long time. Two whole episodes. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, wasn't around for episode 101. Uh, my family and I were on uh, vacation in one of Hagar's dream dimensions, but we're all back and I'm back with you, Mark, to uh, celebrate Voltron. You know, some of our uh, younger fans won't understand the dream dimensions. Yes, that's true. But suffice it to say, it's a little different than the real world. How's that? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um, some of you uh, would probably be more familiar with the term Texas. That's where we were. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we're back and uh, ready to talk Voltron. Well, you missed a little bit while you were gone. Yeah, so we're recording on the very day that episode 101 has been released. So I have not yet even listened to the episode, but I'm sure that with Shambhavi Kadam and Seamus Kelly and Blackie Shepard, it was a lot of fun to record, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to listen to. Right, so Shambhavi and Seamus, we both had met at WonderCon, and like I said before, we became fast friends. Oh, yeah. They are, of course... Definitely willing to come back on the podcast with us again. And of course, Blackie Shepard, who did this great design for us for the Tea Public store. Yeah, very, very cool stuff. Yeah, so now we've got our own merchandise store. Yeah. <laughs> Consume mass quantities. So the cool thing about that is, is that during the first three days when we launched episode 101, as soon as that happened, the Tea Public store was launched at the same time. Right. So people found out about it through the, the podcast and also through our Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, everything. Mm -hmm. The great thing about that whole design and everything is, is that it comes on many different types of apparel, like T-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, you know, long sleeve shirts, baseball shirts, all this kind of stuff. And even baby onesies. All right. You know you're in the big time when a baby onesie has your logo on it. Right. And then there's other types of merchandise. There's phone cases, notebooks, there are stickers, there are coffee mugs, all these great kind of things that you wouldn't expect to get, you know, in addition to t-shirts. That's cool stuff. So I took a look at each of these different items and the quality of them is really good. And like I said before, if you're going for the t-shirts, I really recommend the Tri-Blend. It's very soft. Like Blackie said, it's a, it's a mix of, uh, I think, Raylon and, and cotton and stuff like that. So it's a really good shirt. You know, if, you, if you're getting just the basic shirt, maybe not so good. You want this thing to last, right? And you want it to be worth it. And if you're going out to conventions to see us, yeah, <laughs> it'd be great to have the best shirt you can get. Yes, it would. The thing that I liked about this Tee Public store was just all the different styles that are available, all the different sizes, all the different colors, that they're there for men and women and children and just the whole gamut. And it, it ships internationally. So that was just perfect. Very cool. We're looking forward to people checking that out. Even though that three-day sale now is officially over, guess what? Every once in a while, Tee Public puts out another sale. So pay attention to that and, you know, enjoy your Let's Voltron gear. Yeah, and frankly, this stuff is so cool, it's worth paying regular price for, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. It definitely is. So we had promised a t-shirt campaign, and, and uh, we came out with a whole store. And we made it easy for you to get to that store. If you go to our website, 
www.letsvoltron.com, you'll see at the top a bunch of icons. But you may notice we've recently added a few, so I wanted to go over each of these briefly. Starting from the left is a link to iTunes where you can give our podcast a rating and review or listen to any one of our 102 podcast episodes. By the way, following our 100th podcast, Let's Voltron was ranked as high as 20th of all TV and film audio podcasts on iTunes. So those ratings and reviews really do help. Yeah. The next icon on the right is our RSS feed. If you don't like to listen to iTunes or our website, but have your own podcast app, use the RSS URL, add it to your app, and voila, there we are. And set it to notify you when a new podcast goes live. The next icon on the right links you to our Twitter page, where over 6,500 of you have followed us, and that's where we communicate the most outside of the podcast. So follow us there if you haven't already, because you never know when we may be live tweeting from Voltron panels at conventions like SDCC, which we'll announce later in this podcast. Yeah. The next icon over is our Facebook page, where a lot of you hang out because you like Facebook over Twitter and don't want to be limited to 140 characters. We share a lot on Facebook as well, so like our page there. The next icon is our email address, where you can feel free to send a note anytime. And this is where we'll need you to send us your mailing address when you win some cool Voltron swag. If you share your thoughts on email, we'd like to share them with the listeners. So make sure you tell us in the email if you don't want your thoughts shared, and we'll keep it just between us. So the next five icons are all new. The first being a donation icon. If you like what you hear on Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast, and you want to support us doing even more to bring you all the Voltron goodness, there's a quick way to use a debit or credit card to safely and securely donate 1, 5, 10, 20, or any amount you want. We really appreciate your support. Right. The next two icons bring you our Pinterest and Instagram accounts, where we have shared many unique and wonderful Voltron art, cosplay, merchandise, interviews, and memories. Feel free to follow us there. The next to last icon is our YouTube channel, where you'll see many of our convention interviews and video coverage, our toy reviews, and we even had one that had over 642,000 views. And some unique videos like What's a Tick, Itsy Bitsy Spider by Emperor Zarkon, and a few words for Voltron fans from Classic Zarkon. So subscribe to YouTube and you'll be notified when our SDCC interviews come out. Finally, the last icon takes you right to our Tee Public store where you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, and more apparel, as well as mugs, stickers, and prints, and more, all with exclusive podcast designs from great artists like Blackie Shepard. And we'll be adding more great designs as time goes on. All right. <laughs> We're coming up on a really good review here, and I can't wait because this is one of the fan favorites. A lot of people include this episode as their favorite of all the episodes from season two. Oh yeah it's a great one well it's that time we're going to be talking about space mall and we're going to do it with a very special guest who has been on the podcast before he's your favorite emperor of the universe zarkon 
and his name is Neil Kaplan. Well, that's not a very big... I mean, I'm glad I'm a favorite, but that's... I mean, a favorite of a list of one is like, woo, I really beat out a big uh, throng of folks there to claim that title. Yes, you, you did. Know. You did I beat mean, out a But big still, <laughs> I mean, I could be like, you know... Our favorite guest today. And then I'm left to wonder, how many guests have they had today? Perhaps they've had <laughs> quite a few. You know. But, uh, hi guys. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. It is always great to have you on. Seriously. So, let me say right off the bat, Space Mall, an incredible episode for so many reasons. But one of the things I really loved in this episode, and, you know, if my man crush gets a little too juicy, I apologize. But my gosh, Josh is good in that episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. And it's like I'm, I sit there sometimes and, and, I, and I say this about, you know, all the paladins, how, how great that the casting was. I mean, I was sitting there and watching these. I was watching these kids record, you know, I was watching them do their thing on the microphone. And still yet, even though I can see them in my mind's eye, I watch this show and I don't I don't see the actors. I see the characters. I mean, I'm watching the show, you know, and that doesn't necessarily happen with everything that I've worked on. You know, it's kind of like there are certain things I've done where I hear it and see the actor. I don't really. But the casting's so good that, you know, it's. It's not necessarily Ty's voice. It's hunk. It's hunk. It is hunk. <laughs> you know? And it just, watching that episode again just kind of really brought that out. And I just thought, you know, Josh, Shiro being in search of a deeper connection, you know, with the black line, which, of course, he failed at. <laughs> um, you know, not to rub salt in any wounds or anything, but uh, but he failed gloriously, and he was so good at doing it at at failing at that connection right. with the black line. You know. Mm-hmm. So y- your fight that you had on the astral plane was that was 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 that not? I mean, come on, that looked so cool. That oh, whole yeah. part. You know, the whole section, I mean, it was just, re- I, I, I'm, I'm usually struck by the visuals on this show, like the rotation around the black lion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when it, when it gets to the end of the asteroid field where it finally wants to be and the camera rotates. So that oh, yeah. you finally get that, that, that feeling of not watching it fly through space, but finally get to see, as Shiro says, through, through the black lion's eyes, you know, I mean, that rotation's just. It's so much fun. It's so great. It's so cinematic. It's just, it's another one of those things that I think just really raises the art on this show. And come on, space mice. There were space mice on the episode. They're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And they did similar things that the space mice did in the original series. Well, I wouldn't know about that. I don't. I'm not here to comment on things like that, you know. I don't. (laughs) So you, you don't want to comment on Easter eggs and shows that you weren't on, huh? Well, I, you know, I've made that mistake before. So uh, I traveled down that road twice. The, the, the view wasn't that great the first time. So that's one of the reasons that I love Space Mall above, you know, pretty much all the episodes because the combat in it, it looks great. It's, it's fun. And yet the comedy is just, it's, 
It's stellar. You know, Reese is just hilarious in this episode, bargaining. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, he's so much fun. And, and even though Lance doesn't feel like he's in a lot of the episodes, the shotgun bit and, and him talking about how much legroom there is up front, you know, it's just, it's, it's classic Lance. It just shows you how strong, you know, I mean, it's a 22 minute episode. Not everybody can, you can't divvy it up and give everybody exactly, you know, 4.7 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's a hunk and Shiro episode, you know, and yet everybody's got a moment, you know, Keith whipping out the mysterious knife and finding out about it's like, what's going on with Keith? What's happening with the knife? And Pidge gets to end it all, yeah. you know, with, with <laughs> a great little bit. And it's just like, you know, for me, I don't feel like I get that. And that's hard to do in every episode, you know. And how many episodes actually end on a comedy bit? That's true. Yeah, there is that. There is that. I really think that this episode of all the episodes in season two should be the one that gets presented as an, you know, Emmy consideration. You know what I mean? Oh, from your, from your mouth to the Emmy considerator's ears. That would be a wonderful thing. Like I said, I, I, I love this episode. It really does have, you know, it's got, it's got some good drama with, with Shiro trying to work on that bond. It's got great action with the battle on what I call the dark plane or the purple terrace. <laughs> purple you know? terrace? I don't even know what that means, but it's very purple in there, isn't it? Oh, it yeah. is. Isn't it, though? Purple means purple. evil. Purple Shiro. Well, don't tell my sister-in-law that. Not to say that my sister-in-law isn't evil, you know, <laughs> but that's a whole different conversation and probably best saved for another podcast. And I don't mean of yours. <laughs> We'd love to hear your behind the scenes look at Space Mall. Well, realistically, you know, other than the first couple of episodes, you know, we um, we've been recording separately for the most part, not necessarily always individually, but sometimes in small groups and oftentimes because my scenes are, you know, with uh, only one or two other actors, I'm I'm away from everybody else, you know, so recording things don't necessarily stand out. The only thing that stands out for me behind the scenes from recording this was, uh, you get a free culture, Necker. You know, because <laughs> I, was, I, I was that guy. I was the shopkeep, Woo-hoo! you know, in that episode. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so, you know, there's, there was that. And I'm surprised I've not been deluged with requests from people, you know, because that was such a, I felt a stellar performance in a rather all-star episode, considering it also featured Paul Rubens and the absolutely amazing Fred Tattashore. Come on, you know. Yeah, and and Fred Tattashore also had two roles in that one. Um, no, that was two separate Fred Tattashores. <laughs> Varkon and Repit Sal? Yeah, or two different Fred Tattashores. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both incredibly talented. Yeah, they both look an awful lot alike. But you never want to mistake one for the other. Look out. Okay. So just so you know. So from the last time that we talked to you. Yes. You weren't able to tell us of any new roles that you've gotten. But I I heard recently that you have been able to talk about a new role that you have. Uh, I am working on a 
a little video game called Destiny 2, which apparently, from what I know, is a sequel to Destiny. Really? Wow. That's amazing. You know, I was, I was thrown by that, too. I was, I got to admit, it took me by surprise. Huh, so it and wasn't a synonym for Destiny also. Okay. No, no, because they actually have the number two there. Ah, and it's there like, you know, look, that's a very good audio joke. <laughs> Visually doesn't work. It's like the other day somebody wrote on Twitter, they wrote, what kind of circus do you not want to walk into? Andy Circus. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good joke to tell. But when you write it, it doesn't work because they're spelled completely different. Right. Right. You know, so it's like, well, why would I walk into him? He's spelled differently. That would be a non-consideration. Because <laughs> I'd be too busy looking for a circus. And he's probably got a mocap suit on. Yeah, and there probably aren't any circuses anymore because they're all circs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So since Barnum and Bailey folded up the tent, I mean, are there circuses that remained? Or are they just circi? Or are they just circs? That's a great question. There's a couple left in Vegas, and that's all I know. Well, there's Circus Circus, but that's a building, and it really doesn't move, or it's at least not supposed to. <laughs> and that wouldn't be walking into a circus. That would be walking into a Circus Circus. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, again, doesn't really necessarily gel on the joke meter. So can you tell everybody <laughs> the character name that you're playing in Destiny 2? Oh, yes. Yeah, and I'll say it just like I did for the game. I am Gaul. Nice. I'm the big baddie in that game. I'm very happy about that. And the best part is I sort of kind of little bit worked with Frank Langella. Nice. Cool. So that was pretty neato. He's my mentor. He's my boss. Wow. Um, and we'll only say that. Yeah, and that uh, comes out in September. And that's... Uh, me just being evil again. Uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm a misunderstood good guy once again. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a shadow good guy, and hopefully, hopefully, it, uh, something else I worked on sort of includes a little spoken word piece between me and Mister Ice Cube. Wow. So, yeah, that's kind of funky, huh? Yeah. yeah. So if that if that uh, gets past the uh, producers on the final cut, uh, I'll let you know of its existence. That would be great. Yeah, that was that was kind that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. And I can at least uh, mention uh, I can't. I've been told because I can't mention anything about the who I play or storyline. But I am featured ever so briefly on a couple of episodes. Uh, on the upcoming Kathy Bates show for Chuck Lorre Disjointed, which will also be on Netflix. Cool. Wow. You're just all over the place, man. No, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you know. And how are the Giants doing? They are horrible. They are horrible. Not as horrible as my team. I am suffering through one of the worst seasons I can ever remember, and I am embracing it. I am owning it. I am wearing my hat still because, dag nabbit, if they're going to be my Giants when they win three World Series out of five years, then they're still my Giants when they lose 100 games in a season. 
you know, from a baseball standpoint, it's pretty much the polar opposite of what they were doing in their championship years, where a lot of times it was like you watch the game, the ball, the right ball at the right time just happened to fall in and the guy scores and they just happened to score enough to win the game. Hey, you know, but anybody who knows anything about baseball knows that when you fail seven out of ten times in your career, you go to the Hall of Fame. That's right. <laughs> okay, if you have a long enough career. So it tells you that overwhelmingly the game is about failure, and they're doing the exact same thing. The ball's just not dropping in. The balls, when they need to fall in, are getting caught. And so they'll have games where they have 10 hits and score one run, where they score 12 runs, but their pitching that day just happens to give up 14. You know, and so it's literally, it's the Star Trek mirror verse, you know, uh, <laughs> version of, of 2012. It's the torture of 2010 without the resolution of, oh, but they managed to win. Right. No, this is the torture that ends in death. <laughs> this is the torture that, that just gets worse. It's sort of like, you know, you know how they say, it's always darkest before the dawn. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm such a pessimist. I came up with the phrase, it's always darkest before it gets darker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just like the guy who ran the 100-yard the dash in 15 seconds, you know, that was a world record once. Hell, it's not even a 100-yard dash anymore. It's 100 meters. But mm -hmm. that record, that record gets beat. So how fast can man run? Man can run this fast until the next guy runs faster. Just like that stock that you're watching that's bottomed out and you think it's at the real bottom and then you buy it and then it goes even lower. It could get worse. Trust me. You know, it's it's like I, I tell people, you know, when, when they're saying how bad things are, I say, well, could it be worse? And they say, yep. I said, then you're good. <laughs> then you're good. When you recognize that it can still be worse. You're gold. You know, <laughs> the day that you go, no, it really can't get worse. Not only are you challenging the universe to crack its knuckles and go, oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, on that day, yeah, that's bad. But when things can get worse, it's still good. You know, it's funny. My pessimism is actually an odd sort of optimism. It it's is. Like, it's like I tell people, tell me, which is bad? The glass half full or the glass half empty? The glass half full is bad. Yeah, but it's half full. <laughs> it could be no full. It could be 5% full. At least it's half full, right? Right. That's true. Yay! Whereas half empty, it's like, but it's half empty. Yeah. I only have half left. I used to have it all. Now it's half empty. Sigh. They had a character on SNL that they had created that did nothing but that kind of stuff. And his name was <laughs> Neil. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for that one, really. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I've been working on. <laughs> All right. Great. So do you mind walking through Space Mall with us? Sure. First of all, I got to say, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, kind of the era of the mall. And so for me, watching them go into that mall reminded me of a mall that I don't know if it's even there anymore on the east side of San Jose called East Ridge. 
So for me, it was Galactic East Ridge. Okay. Yeah. So did you have a favorite mall in the real world, Mark? Yeah. Well, for me, it was the Montgomery Mall. And that was in Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Mine was the Salem Mall in Trotwood, Ohio. And uh, it was torn down maybe 15 years ago. Actually, a little more than that, I think. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Was it built out of burnt witches? <laughs> I'm sure it was. Uh, actually, uh, my fondest memory of them all has nothing to do with burnt witches. But uh, at Christmas time, they would build this enormous, I'd say, 12 to 15 foot tall tree. Or it looked like a tree made from but poinsettia. They lit on fire. Yeah. You're going Sorry, down, I just, holidays. I, don't, I, don't, I but, think I need to change the channel on the TV. I'm distracted. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they would build a 12 to 15 foot bonfire and yes yes uh, it was it was a it was a shape like a tree but it was a, an arrangement of poinsettias red poinsettias and uh as a little kid it was just such a big deal to go there and see that every christmas now were uh, they real poinsettias or were they, they... okay that's nice yeah it was really cool you know so i have to wonder you know this this show being a show for people of all ages there is a generation of viewers who probably don't really know what a mall even is. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, I can't believe it because that was how we grew up. We grew up in a mall, pretty much. And yeah. think of it. How many episodes would be so dramatically altered by just the mere changing of one letter as Space Mall? You change that first L to a U, and it's a totally different episode. <laughs> <laughs> and yet pronounced the same that's right that's amazing. right amazing <laughs> yeah i mean space mall versus space mall be totally different yeah yeah that, that sounds like an episode of go lion <laughs> mm -hmm. that's right all right so let's get this thing rolling yes something sparkly there's, there's <laughs> okay voltron legendary defender season two episode seven space mall written by tim hedrick yes. and directed by eugene lee woohoo so the additional voices in here starts with Neil Kaplan. Who's that guy? He's an additional voice. <laughs> and he didn't play just Zarkon. Who else did you play in this one? Well, I'm still listed as additional voices when I'm Zarkon. Yeah, right, yeah. but there was another character you specifically played in this. I told you I was, I was Koltenecker's lord and master. Yeah. <laughs> Now, can we call him Area 51 guy? Can we call him Alien Store Owner? What do, what do we call him? I think he would be he would be he would be store owner, Alien Store Owner, Alien Mall Store Guy, Alien. Should we call him by the name of their stores? So, like Terra was the name of his store. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think he would be. I don't know. That's. I'm going to leave that up to you. <laughs> I'm so afraid if I go on record as some with something like this, like DreamWorks will be, what are you doing naming characters? <laughs> you can't do that. You can't name a character that we didn't name? Well, no, but they, I don't have the script in front of me. He probably had a name in the script. I just don't have it in front of me. Okay. And then it's like, do you know what kind of, I mean, come on. <laughs> that kid sitting on the end of the moon is fishing for a lawsuit. <laughs> you are so right about that say i didn't actually say that i didn't actually say that it's what i heard i heard that this whole time he's been fishing for lawsuits we had no idea oh i'm just making this worse 
Okay. Oh, so you guys always get me in trouble. <laughs> so in addition to Neil, we also have Cree Summer as Hagar. Woohoo! We have Paul Rubens as the Unilu swap shop guy. Mm-hmm. We have Vince Offer as the Slice Capades vendor. Wasn't that character fun? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, love the, I love the infomercialness of that character. Yeah, of course, we've seen, you know, similar things to like that before where they slice through a can and then slice, you know, easily through a tomato. So <laughs> that's, that's what we love seeing. Yes. He was the ShamWow guy. <laughs> and then Fred Tatashore plays Barkhan and Repetzal. Well... Different Fred Tatashore has played each of those. Right. That's right. Because right. yeah. they sound completely different and you would never know it's the same guy. No, they sound a lot alike. They sound <laughs> an awful lot alike and they look very similar, but just you don't want to confuse the two of them. It was amazing the difference in Repit Sal's voice from the time that he was like this slave lord <laughs> to the time that he was sort of you know, bowing to Hunk's wishes. I think that would happen with any of us were we in the same position. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, guy. he was, he was schooled. He was schooled, plain and simple. That's right. You know? He was humbled. He was absolutely humbled. I'm, I'm impressed that Repit Sal had the strength of character to be able to do that. Not a yeah. whole lot of people would be able to do that. They would, they would stand their ground and be insistent. You know, they would just sit there and insist that they were wiretapped. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They would insist on. Uh, they, would insi- they would insist on something that wasn't true. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. <laughs> All right. So let's start this thing out, okay? Before we get into real trouble. Something sparkly. <laughs> on the bridge of the castle ship, directly continuing from the end of the last episode, which was the Ark of Tajir. So Shiro says, okay, look, I know for certain that Zarkon is tracking us through the Black Lion. We have to find some way to stop him. And Pidge says, how are we going to do that? And Alora says, we've never had this situation before. Too bad. Wait, are you going line by line through the show? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm interrupting. I'm, 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 I'm horrible. I'm, there's a reason I play villains. I want you to get to Lance talking about buying something sparkly for Alora. Absolutely. Oh, we're, we're almost there. Okay. We're almost okay. there. I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. <laughs> okay. So Alora says, we've never had this situation before where two paladins are battling for the same lion. Shiro says, well, unless we want Zarkon taking control of Voltron every time we get close, I'll have to forge a new bond with my lion. And by the way, that was my favorite moment in the entire episode when Alora called me a paladin. Yeah. Oh, yes. I thought That's that was right. so sweet of her. To finally acknowledge and say the words. Yeah, it's about time. Uh, that's yep. right. Yep, Dad, you didn't catch that, did you? I, I didn't. <laughs> no, actually, huh? they had huh? me at pal. Because, you know, paladins are pals. So, well, mate, sure. Kind of... <laughs> exactly. We can all be pal. Well, you know. But I'll bet you one paladin doesn't follow the paladin handbook. Yes, but which one? that's true i mean one of them might have known what the original paladin handbook was whereas the other one has never actually seen it and he's been only only been taught by allura about what a paladin's supposed to be and one of them maybe wrote it (laughs) Mm. 
<laughs> or maybe one of them just proofread it or, you know, kind of gave their opinion. Oh, this is nice. This is a good <laughs> sentence. I like it. Strong point. You Active know, voice instead of passive? Amazing. Exactly. I'm sorry. Please continue. So Karan says, well, while you're working on that, the rest of us need to find some new Teladav lenses. Otherwise, we won't be able to travel via wormhole. Hunk says, is that something we have to mail order? Keith says, does anyone even make those anymore? My thought, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're like, what, 10,000 years old? But doesn't that tell you what an amazing mind Hunk has that he would still even know that as a reference? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, mail's been gone for thousands of years, and yet Hunk still is able to make that joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, they know about malls, too. All of them do, don't they? Well, they do, because the malls are there. Duh. Hello. <laughs> that would be a mall order. Oh, oh. Oh, man. Yeah. Like layaway? Oh, my. I haven't heard that let's, phrase in a long time. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not make any more Star Wars jokes, okay? <laughs> okay. So, Alora says, I don't know. Only a few Altaians could use the Teledev 10,000 years ago. They may not exist anymore. Karan thinks, and snaps his mustache, and he says, I think I may know where we can get some. Uh, did you see him snap his mustache in that, that episode there, Greg? Yes, and uh, I, I think that the mustache is kind of a character in and of itself, and uh, it's, it's nice that it got some extra special love in this episode. So he pulls up some images on the main screen. They look like space pirates, and one is an image of him that appears younger as well. Aloris is Karan, you're not suggesting going to one of those filthy swap moons. The last time you went, those space pirates took you for everything you had. Lance says, space pirates? And Karan says, the Unilu were traitors and pirates that roamed the galaxies and dealt in black market goods. Umvi spice, Bitor water, little bottles of infinity vapor. Of course, you had to bargain. No one could bargain like the Unilu. Last time, I ended up giving away three-quarters of my shipment of Lango in exchange for a used pogo oscillator. And then Karan and Alora have a little laugh. Nobody else gets the joke. And Alora says, Father was not pleased about that. And Lance, getting close to Alora, says, Well, while Karan is picking up his lenses, I'll take you shopping for something sparkly. Now, what is that all about? Is he suddenly making some moves there, or is he just being friendly with the boss? Uh, he's been kind of flirtatious with her from the beginning, I think, right? Uh, you know, it's just like, you know, back off there, kid. Come on. Crossing <laughs> a few lines there. Yeah, but she, she was all about the sparkles, though, wasn't oh, she? Oh, she was totally for it. No, no, <laughs> she, was, she was cool with it. <laughs> this came as a huge surprise to us, okay? We really weren't expecting her to go along with this. Because it's coming from Lance. Well, she likes something sparkly. That's good to know for her birthday. Yeah, and what was yeah. interesting was how she kind of made her own little sparkles when she was happy about sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, even the thought of sparkly made her sparkle. Yeah. That's right. And, of course... I can see Lauren Montgomery in the background saying, more sparkles. <laughs> I just want to know about the Lango and the Pogo Oscillator. You know what I mean? Of course you do. You always <laughs> want to know all about these things. that, Because you know, something that he mentions in this episode is going to come and play, you know, way down the line. <laughs> yeah. 
there's going to be a pogo oscillator somewhere down the line. We know yeah. that. Yeah. And no I comment. love me some techno babble. I love me some techno babble. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of like the te- the techno stuff that doesn't feel like it has to explain what's going on because mm-hmm. you know, in the real in the real world, you don't sit there and go, uh, well, you put that in the blender. What you do with the blender and what the blender does is it has this it has a motor that rotates and you have blades that crush things. No. You already know, because you and I exist in the same universe, mm-hmm. that when I say, just use the blender, you use the blender. So when we're talking about a pogo oscillator. Why would why would Koran feel the need to explain that? Works for everybody, me. Everybody knows what it is. Yep. I kind of obviously like, I like that sometimes, you know. Yeah, me too. And then and then a, just a confident uh huh, and we move along with the story. <laughs> just as much as Alora and Koran would know exactly the game that Pidge and Lance had bought and how it works, right? What the PlayStation Two. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Mercury Game Flux 3, is that what they call it? Yes. Look like a PlayStation 2 to me. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget with the full glove. (laughs) Right. So after Lance says about the sparkly, Karan bolts in between them and shouts, This isn't shopping. You're not wandering around saying, What a lovely pink hat. This is so becoming. No, I can't allow Alora to get anywhere near those filthy, low-balling Unilu hoodlums. And Alora says, but I'd love something sparkly. And she puts on the big smile and sparkles dance all around her face. <laughs> Karan says, look, you're the only one who can operate the castle. You need to be resting after all you've been through. And then Alora loses the smile and looks upset. I can't imagine why. Yeah. It's like, it's the only time she got excited about something and he just shuts her down. Yeah. And yet, did Lance invite her to go? He said he would buy her something sparkly. So that's a uh, good Cr- point. Cr- Cran got a little assumptive there. You that's know, true. saying she can't go. She never said she wanted to go. She just wants the sparklies. That's a good point. And, and where's Lance getting money? That's between Lance <laughs> and Lance. Okay. Well, <laughs> we actually find out how they get money later on. So. Okay, it's between Lance and the future of the story. Fine. (laughs) Okay, so Karan says, now let's ready a pod for our mission. We need to get in, find the skull trite lenses, and just get out. Lance says, shotgun. Hunk says, what? No, you have to be in the pod bay to call shotgun. Lance says, since when? Hunk says, since forever. That's shotgun etiquette. I wrote the book. So... We all know what shotgun means, right? We don't have to explain that, right? Uh, no. no, it's not like no. it's a pogo oscillator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the subject of uh, terms in this little bit here, every time I hear Pod Bay, I think 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's all. Well, don't. Well, don't. Well, don't. <laughs> okay. okay. You're just ruining it for yourself. Stop that. <laughs> Stop it. So we don't have to talk about stagecoaches or anything with this shotgun thing, right? No, no, not with me. I mean, no, uh, you okay. might want to ask your listeners. Although, by the time you got an answer, this episode would be long since over. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, people, feel free to write in and ask, and they'll explain it on the next episode if you write in and ask. But right. it won't happen now while you're listening because what you're listening to has already happened. It's history. <laughs> We're not live, we're recording. 
Yes. Okay, so right. so Shiro says, while they're doing that, I'm going to head down to the hangar. I need to strengthen my bond with the Black Lion. Now everyone's gone, and Alora sighs, and she says, so what am I supposed to do now? Sit around and worry all day? So the mice join her on her shoulders and say something in her ear. And you she know, says, you know, when you're being nice to your fans in Australia, don't back away. They're moist. They're moist. <laughs> they're moist. <laughs> yeah. So the space nice. moist. Right. <laughs> Got it. Thank so you. Space moist. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, that's what I'm here for, mate. Keep going. <laughs> right. All right. Cheers. Space mice. Oi. <laughs> yes, I caught that so, reference, Neil. <laughs> thank you. Yes. So she says, what? Dinner and a show? And she lights up. Boing. And then, of course, we have to leave this happy occasion to go somewhere else. So in the hangar with Black Lion, Shiro stands in front of Black, and then he says, you and I have some work to do. So he gets in the cockpit chair, he takes a deep breath, closes his eyes and concentrates, and says, work with me. What do I have to do to strengthen our bond? Black Lion's eyes light up, growls, and starts moving. And Shiro says, whoa, hey, what are you doing? Black Lion takes off and leaves the castle ship. He says, stop. Stop! I said stop! Turn around! That's an order! So Black Lion puts on the afterburners and disappears into space. Would the first paladin have tried to do that? Tried to do that? No, because he'd <laughs> already been getting along. Oh, okay. It's like, I don't got a deep and no bond. We got a bond, man. Come on. Be like, yeah? You know, be like, let's go get some Dole Whip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how you strengthen a bond. That's great. I, I was wondering if there was an easier way than, than what Shiro went through, and now we know. Well, hold on a second. Do you know where to get Dole Whip? Good point. Yeah, not so easy, huh? <laughs> Big talker, you. Yeah, All right, yeah. so keep keep going, keep going. Karan says on the podcom, Hello, back passengers, can you hear me? Lance says, Oh, it's so comfy up here. Extra leg room, heated seats. Oh, man. And then Keith, Hunk, and Pidge are sitting in the back of the pod, and Hunk says, stupid Lance, stupid shotgun. Quality stuff. So Karan says, now these swap moons are very dangerous environments, so be on your toes. No weapons or communication devices of any kind. Also, I've brought along some disguises. Nice. Pidge and Hunk look at each other, wondering about these disguises. So I got to make a, a quick comment. It is so much fun to see people at conventions cosplaying in these costumes that we're about to see. Because we only see them for about, what, five seconds? Yeah. <laughs> and then they throw them out? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, weren't those supposed to be references to other characters and other shows? Yes, I was about okay. to talk about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert! <laughs> We actually have some fan input on this from the actual Voltron forums. Nice. So when they arrive at the space mall, the Paladins of Koran are dressed in their disguises, which make them look ridiculously criminal compared to the rest of the people at the mall. By the way, let's talk about some of these references from these costumes. All as right. identified by, like I said, many of the Voltron fans out there. Let's start with Getter Dragon from the Voltron forums, who says... 
Pidge is wearing Kamina's glasses from Gurren Lagan. I believe it's on Netflix, so watch Gurren Lagan. And Lance's costume is a reference to Vash the Stampede from Trigun. Hmm. Karan looks like he's wearing a state alchemist uniform from Full Metal Alchemist. Finally, Hunk looks like a combination of a Borderlands Wastelander and Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles. Hmm. Nice. Then another Voltron Forums user called Keith Black Lion says, I recognize a reference to Dragon Ball Z with Keith's shoulder pads and then Gundam with Keith's masks. Nice. So did you catch any other references there, Greg? No, I didn't. I, uh, I'm i a little too out of it with, uh, in many ways, let's just uh, deal with that right there. But uh, uh, with respect to a lot of those references, most of those went over my head. So uh, it's it's cool that so many people caught the, a lot of those. Yeah, so we want to thank Getter Dragon and Keith Blacklion from the Voltron Forums for that input. Very cool. And if you want to check out the Voltron Forums, forums.voltron.com. Okay. Pidge says, Karan, this Unilu swap meet looks an awful lot like a regular mall. Karan says, it does seem to be a little cleaner than I remember. Still, be vigilant. The Unilu are cutthroat wheeler dealers, so keep your hands on your coin satchels. Hunk says, my satchels are empty. Karan says, good. Keith says, let's just get this over with. Karan says, yes, right. Everyone, let's fan out, search the area for teledav lenses. We'll meet by the giant ticking clock here in one vega. Don't be late and try to blend in. They all look at each other, and two seconds later, you see them throwing their disguises away. Meanwhile, <laughs> in the security... Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. That word always does that to me. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. I always think about that, Meanwhile, too. back at the Hall of Justice. Nice. Sorry, go on. I'll be quiet. We see Varkon, also known as Paul Blart Mall Cop. Varkon! <laughs> and he's eating what looks to be Chinese food. It's got the same kind of container. And he's looking at a security screen. And as soon as the paladins take their disguises off, he notices them. He says, huh? What the? Space pirates? Disguising yourselves as harmless shoppers, huh? Well, it won't work. He grabs a handheld walkie-talkie from his locker which has a poster of Zarkon in it. Darn right. He appears to be your biggest fan. One of them. <laughs> I don't know that I like the implication. <laughs> <laughs> he says, don't worry, Emperor Zarkon. I know you can't be here to protect them all, but yep. your faithful number two is on the case. Don't think that's not appreciated. <laughs> Have you ever had a number two before? Well, that's a conversation for an entirely different podcast, but I don't know that that one would be yours. <clears throat> Moving on. Okay. Who does number two work for? Everybody. <laughs> so he places his walkie-talkie on his chest, as well as his badge. He says, I hope you pirates are ready to face Varkon. And as he says Varkon, he's standing like a hero with his fists on his hips, and then his beer gut drops down. Wow, did you know, you know, there are a lot of visuals on this show you gloss over, and I don't appreciate that you made sure to highlight that with poor Varkon. It wasn't necessary. Wow, guy works hard, man. The guy works hard. <laughs> 
He's underappreciated. He keeps that place safe. <laughs> That's true. So let's let's go back to Black Lion where it's safe, okay? Black Lion's still roaming through space. No, let's go back to before you were talking down bad, mean things about Varkon. Let's go back to that. <laughs> we can't, because time moves in one direction. One! <laughs> Forward! Stupid physics. All right, yeah, so Shiro yeah, says, Come on, I don't know where you're headed, but you need to start listening to me right now. Black Lion pulls back on the engines and slows down. Shiro says, that's better. He sees an area of space with lots of floating rock debris that may have broken away from a much larger rock. He says, where are we? Why did you bring me here? What are you trying to tell me? Okay, was I the only one who was waiting for the Millennium Falcon to go streaking through that asteroid field at some point? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, it was just me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Move forward. Just look familiar. Maybe a giant space slug coming out somewhere. I want to know what the odds of a lion successfully navigating an asteroid field are. Honestly, a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because the, the lions are nimble. You yeah. Know? I mean, think about it. The lions have a certain amount of flexibility, whereas the Millennium Falcon, kind of just one stationary kind of piece of material that's not real flexible, and you hit the wrong piece of the Death Star, you know, you knock off your, your radar. And that's not yeah, good. that's not good. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, you just got went off on a on an asteroid tangent. That's <laughs> okay. Actually... Which, by the way, was usually how I would lose my ships. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just glad you guys are old enough to have gotten that reference because I'll guarantee you there are at least there are dozens or hundreds or thousands of people who are listening to your podcast going, I don't get it. Well. <laughs> If you're talking to Vader and you're on a hologram and one of those holograms all of a sudden disappears, I think you kind of know what happened to you. Well, I meant a different asteroid tangent, you know. Anyway, playing a... Was, I meant a video game from the <laughs> 70s we, with the lines. That's what video games were once upon a time, kid. A black screen and lines. You hit a big rock, it breaks into a smaller rock. Look what they did with the lines this time. They made them into octagonal things that break up into other octagonal things. Ooh, and then they got a triangle. Sort of looks like the Star Trek emblem, but you can shoot stuff out of it. Ooh. And you've got thrusters. Yeah, yeah. That's your most important part. Yeah. Anyway, we had to sorry. play the game uphill both ways in the snow. And we that, remi it. that reminds me of, of my early video game work, though. It's actually <laughs> one of the few games that I can remember my dialogue from, you know, because it was the first. Were you the pew, pew, pew? Close. I was <laughs> boop, boop, beep, <laughs> beep, boop. We're going back even further than <laughs> asteroids here. I. Uh, I know, man, and I gotta tell you, just to be able to remember those lines, it's it's amazing. It's really, <laughs> I'm just it was it was it was a it was a seminal moment for me. And granted, the paycheck wasn't very big, but you know, it was a monumental. <laughs> Whoa! So, hey, Buster! To say hello. Hi, Buster! <laughs> wow! It's me, Buster Kaplan. Yes. <laughs> You can find him on Twitter at, at Buster Kaplan. All right. All right. So, anyway, we're in an asteroid field with Shiro. Okay. So, Shiro says, so you want me to see through your eyes? 
Shiro closes his eyes and appears to be looking through Black Lion's eyes now. And the big rock turns into a red planet with a cloudy atmosphere. But it's not round-shaped planet. It's sort of like half of a planet, but it's got like draped clouds over it. We see Black Lion standing on a platform with two figures standing on a smaller platform to the left of Black. A building or castle stands behind them, and Galra cruisers appear to hover in the air to the right behind Black Lion. Shiro shakes himself out of the vision and opens his eyes. So do you think that asteroid field was the remnants of that planet? Yes. Great question. Yes, we do. Mm. We? Yes, we, we do. You're speaking for your partner now? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. As long as we have consensus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke for him last week. Yeah, he did. And and so did Seamus and Shambhavi and Blackie. They all did a great job speaking for me. Yeah. <laughs> as long yeah. as they're accurate, that's all I care about. That's right. I don't want you misrepresented, especially when we're talking about your stance on asteroid fields. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so here's the reason why I thought that rubble was the original planet they were look, just looking at, because Shiro shakes himself out of this and says, was this your home? And, of course, he doesn't get an answer from Black Lion, but yeah, we can basically say, yes, it was. I love that planet, by the way. Even when it looked not quite as destroyed, it's definitely not a typical round spherical planet thing. It's uh, different, whimsical, weird. I love well, it. Well, I mean, but aren't there some planets that are that are part gaseous, you know? And so that's that, upon first viewing, was my original thought. You know, was just that it was a it was a in a gaseous planet uh, without quite as much form. But then, upon later viewings, I believe I decided that I would be in the it's the remnants of the planet all around them. I'm, yeah. I'm, I believe I'm a member of that camp now. Yes, works for me. Cool. You can speak for me on that point. <laughs> Okay, so we go back to the space mall. Hunk is standing on a moving sidewalk. He sees others going by him running. And he says, okay, if I were a 10,000-year-old wormhole lens, where would I be? And he tries to keep up with the people he sees. He says, excuse me, hey, hi, excuse me, hi. Wow, you guys are really booking here. So I was just wondering if you guys knew where I could find some lenses for my ship around here. Is there a one-hour lens place around here or something? Anything? <laughs> Nothing? And he stops chasing after them, and then he says, never mind, you know what, I'll catch up with you guys later. And he leans over to catch his breath and gets to the end of the moving sidewalk, which ends at the food court. <laughs> and he says, oh, this is beautiful. I thought the one-hour lens place was an awesome reference, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> they used to have those. Yeah, how many malls did not have a lens crafter somewhere on the outside or inside? <laughs> Well, most of the ones I grew up around, because they predated lens crafters. They used to oh. make me feel really old. Anyway, oh. please, please, continue. Please, <laughs> continue. So he sees a floating plate with samples from a food vendor on it. Mm. And he says, maybe the sculptrite is under these samples. I don't know. He tastes it. He says, rubbery. Another plate tastes it, sweet and salty. Another tray with liquid refreshment. He tries it. He says, so cold but spicy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know that, 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 vi I'm sorry, that visual. I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. And I just love that moment. Yeah. You know, plus 
that was one of the few things that he he kind of named the taste. And because I've I've actually had something not quite as that didn't turn me colors, but it was cold and it did end up with a spicy finish. So it was like that was one of those few moments that kind of triggered my salivatory glands and made me go, "That sounds yummy." <laughs> And then another tray. Hmm. Uh, not impressed. So his final tray that he gets to, he says, what's next? What do you got? And the guy says, 500 gek. And they pan out to see a guy holding the tray. And Hunk says, 500 gek? Excuse me? And he says, sustenance provided by Vrepid Sal. That's me. 500 gek is now owed. Hunk says, I thought this was a free sample situation. Repit house says free. Come on, how many of us have ever tried that at a dim sum place? You know, I thought they were samples. They were so small. <laughs> right. Come on, <laughs> people just kept passing by with a cart, and I thought they were just offering. I was waiting for the actual meal. <laughs> you know. By the way, I had about as much success as Hunk did with that. So just let me know. Don't try it. It doesn't work. <laughs> you had to wash dishes. I had to wait tables. Oh wow. <laughs> Anyway, that's a story we don't... Okay, Buster, I'll be quiet. Please, continue. Okay, so Hunk says, of charge, you know, gratis? Look, I don't have any money, so, you know. And then you see a handcuff is being placed against a pipe, and another ankle cuff is placed around Hunk's leg. He's being put to work in the kitchen of Repit Sal's place. Hunk sees another blue-skinned lady with very long white hair. She's washing dishes in a wash bin on the floor and is also chained to the sink. Hunk says, oh man, how long have you been here? The old lady says, Sal put me in when I was just a little girl. Hey, that was a good voice there. Hunk says, <laughs> oh no. Well, do we know who did the actual voice of this lady? That's got to be Cree Summer. It's got to be, right? Yep. You would think. I mean, we don't officially know. So we can't say, but I would think it would be Cree. Yeah. So, Keith is at another part of the space mall watching a demonstration at a knife vendor. So, here we have our ShamWow guy, Vince, and he is a vendor for a, basically, a, a knife establishment, and he's doing a demo. He says, let me show you this wonderful workings of the Galasu X90 Extreme Blade System. It slices, it dices, it kills, slaughters, and skins, and constantly stays razor sharp. Look at it cut through this Bloat of fruit. Hmm. Paper thin. How much would you pay for this knife? But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you had to fight off a charging rock monster and then go immediately to a picnic? All the time, right? Right, right. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's where he had me. <laughs> Is that what you were saying while you were watching it? Totally. I said, yep, yep. I know that feeling. Yep, you got, you're on, you are talking about me. The Galasu can cut through rocks and still cut Bloto fruit paper thin. How much would you pay? Seriously, how much? <laughs> I have a lot of these to unload. And then Keith says, I just had a question, and everybody else starts to scatter away. So he says, fine, what do you got? Keith says, have you ever come across something like this? And he shows him his knife. I'm just going to say I'm really glad he showed him his knife. <laughs> <laughs> What? I mean, if he would showed him like a, a, a sore on his lip when he says that, because you can never be sure when somebody uses a phrase like that. Have you ever seen something like this? It's like you wonder, 
what am I going to look at? You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I I keep I, I keep I keep interrupting. I keep I'm I'm horrible. I'm a terrible guest. I'm sorry. But you see, no, that's what you're here for. And this is the kind of stuff we can't get by just watching the episode. That's right. Good point. Good point. That's why you guys are hosts. This this is the Blu-ray commentary part. Woohoo! He says, "Wow, this craftsmanship is incredible." And is this a Luxite blade? The planet they mine that from hasn't existed in Decaphebes. Where'd you get this? Keith says, someone gave it to me. He says, okay, that's vague. Tell you what, I'll give you a thousand gak to take it off your hands. Keith says, it's not for sale. He says, two thousand. Keith says, no thanks. Give it back. He says, how about this? I keep the knife and you beat it before security gets here. I know it's stolen. Keith says, it's not stolen. Then tell me where you got it. They struggle over it. And Keith gets it back and runs away. I love the fight that they have, too. I just think that's hilarious. (laughs) Back and forth with the knives. It's just funny. So the guy says, hey, come back with that. And then as Keith leaves, he pushes the button under his table, calling security. So Varkon, we're back to Varkon. He says, trouble at the slice capades. It's one of those pirates. I knew they looked edgy. Varkon's coming for you. Just the fact that they called it slice capades is, is pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. Do, do the ice capades even exist anymore? Please don't tell me that they don't. I don't know that I want to live in a world without the ice capades. <laughs> I know there's Disney on ice, but I don't know about ice capades. Oh, of course. Yeah, Disney's everywhere now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, technically, Disney on ice has, you know, Darth Vader on skating up to Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still Disney on ice, mind you, and I appreciate the effort, but it's just not, you know, it's just not what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're back to Shiro again. All right, so he says, so this was Zarkon's home planet. Show me more. Just to cut in, I checked Wikipedia and Ice Capades went under in 1997. Aww. I've been existing in that world for 20 years. Wow. I know. Wow. Wow. How have I managed? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So, so what you're saying is slice capades fell on a, a bunch of people that don't even know what ice capades are, right? Surprise, surprise. In a show about a space mall. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We're getting older and older as time goes by here, aren't well, we? Yeah. But isn't that one another one of the reasons that we love this show is because it's not just written for one generation? Yeah. I love that there's so many references for our generation. Yeah, oh, abs- absolutely. And it's one of those things that's like when I grew up watching the, the classic Warner Brothers cartoons, there were jokes that I laughed at, and I know I laughed at them when I was younger because of the way that they were delivered, even though I didn't really get them. And then I right. heard them later and went, oh, now I get the, the reference. Yep. And, you know, Slice Capades may well be one of those things where, Somebody laughed because it just sounds funny. It sounds like a silly name. So they laughed at it. Now they'll look it up on, on the old Wikipedia and go, oh, it's based on something called Ice Capades. So it was it was not, it was a play on work. Oh, I like that. Quite that clever. clever. Oh. Yeah, those clever writer people. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then they'll laugh at it a second time. So to me, I mean, uh, that's, that's good comedy. That's good comedy, yep. you know? So Shiro's looking out, and the planet appears again, and we see, we see a comet hit it from space. The comet sits in a crater where it landed, and it appears people are doing experiments 
with the energy from the comet, they look Altaian. Alphor is there, and so is Zarkon. We see Black Lion in a hangar. And Shiro says, King Alphor built you from that comet? And you fought beside him. And then Alphor is actually seen smiling at Zarkon. And Shiro says, with Zarkon. So the Zarkon in the image turns around and looks at Shiro. This startles Shiro and he snaps out of it. Then we see Zarkon on his own ship getting zapped by the druids. He looks up and says, you. Or Neil could say that. Yep. <laughs> oh, sorry, different episode, different character. Oh, my bad. Sorry, nice. Leica. So back on the castle ship, the mice are doing circus act tricks for Alora, which she loves. And this reminds us, of course, of the mice, the way they were entertaining Alora in the original series, Voltron Defender of the Universe. Yep, yep, yep. She says, absolutely stunning. After we defeat Zarkon, I'm taking you on the road. Yeah, I remember Pidge saying a very similar line in the original series. I could just see Alora working with Michigan J. Frog <laughs> and the mice. Nice. Pidge is standing outside the bathrooms now. Not sure which symbol on the doors mean which gender. And she's like, mm, mm, like she's trying to hold it in. <laughs> she sees someone come out from the side, but it doesn't help because they could be anything. Yeah. So Pidge just says, I'll just hold it. And I love that it's Pidge that has this confusion because, you know, Pidge is the character who most people thought was male and then revealed that she's female. So for, for her to have this confusion over the restroom is hilarious. But anyway. I laughed so hard the first time I saw this. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. So hard. <laughs> Are you all right, Neil? Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. I'm just having a little conversation with Buster because I'm telling him, you know, it's his part of the podcast that isn't really working. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. So Lance is standing outside a store and flashes his smile and points his fingers at a couple female aliens and they giggle. And then the Earth Store vendor. Why don't we call him that? Let's call him that. Earth Store vendor. Yeah, there we go. He says, can I interest you in the latest Earth fashions? So you see a cow in the background. He's wearing a hat. The guy, the vendor, is wearing a hat with the number 51 on it. And he clearly looks like he may have been one of the aliens found at Area 51 in Nevada. I just love that reference, by the way. It's so cool. <laughs> and all the stuff in the store is hilarious. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've still not figured out all of the items in the store, but the ones I was able to identify were just great. By the way, Seamus Kelly from Den of Geek and our last podcast episode, he wrote an article about Space Mall, mm -hmm. and he said Joaquim Dos Santos had said the Earth Store, the 80s Graylian Store, was a loving homage to Suncoast Video in many malls back in the 80s. <laughs> nice. You guys remember Suncoast Video? Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I liked about Suncoast is that they not only had videos and dvds and all that kind of stuff but they also had all kinds of geek stuff you know like superman capes and you know figurines and stuff like that and just unusual stuff that you don't get in any store yeah i, I wouldn't know anything about geek stuff <clears throat> no of course not <laughs> yeah but back when i was a kid it was one of the few stores that actually had that stuff now that stuff is everywhere right right 
So isn't that cool? So yeah. So did I, I'm sure that most of our listeners and of course the, the the esteemed people in this podcast with me here identified some of the stuff in that store. I did notice the front end of a DeLorean mounted on the wall. Yes. And there's a toilet up there as well. I saw uh, one of those pyramid with an eyeball thingies from the Illuminati in a glass case and uh, mm-hmm. a few other odds and ends that I haven't been able to identify specifically yet. But man, that stuff is just hilarious to see. You know, we're, we're talking about an Earth store, okay? If the space ball knows about Earth... Right. And, and there's a security guard who's Galra, you know, doing security for the mall... Wouldn't the Galra know about Earth then? Well, you know, the Galra ship was seen in the uh, the Sol system back in the first episode. So uh, clearly they were nearby at the very least. Yeah, Kerberos, right? Yeah, they yeah, right. And they right, a year before uh, the Paladins became Paladins, and then um, obviously they, they were aware that Blue Lion was on Earth. That's why Ulaz freed Shiro. So there are a lot of clues that the Galra know have known about Earth for quite a while. Yep. Are we sure that Earth is still there? I am of the opinion that it is, but uh, okay. may not be in uh, prime condition anymore. How's that? Well, okay. I'm just, I, I just wasn't sure. It's, you know, it's one of those things in science fiction that we, uh, we sometimes have Earth colonies, but they're Earth colonies after Earth is gone, you know, because ah. it's, it's, it's Earthlings that started it and Earth culture that, that permeates the new colonies. Right. But, you know, so I was wondering, are, do we, do we know? Do we, I mean, we know that there are Earthlings. We know that there's Earth culture, but do we know that Earth is still there? Yeah, after yeah, after they all left, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Just, all right, just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Pitch says, Lance, come on. We have to be back at the ticking clock in a half hour. And now you finally see the name of the store is Terra. Yeah, love it. And Lance says, but Pitch, wait, look at all this crazy Earth stuff this alien is selling. I love Pitch's next line and how Bex Taylor Klaus delivers it. Love it. <laughs> Right. Pitch says, we're supposed to be looking for the Teledav lenses, and you're looking in the one store we know for certain won't have... Oh my gosh! Is that Killbot Phantasm 1? The first journey to the depths of the Demon Sphere? Oh. Mercury Gameflux 2 with the original power glove that gives you infinite lives if you touch the index finger to the pinky. We have to have this. She looks at the store owner. How much is this? (laughs) <laughs> so the store owner says, 1,200 GAC. Pitch says, is that a lot? Lance says, well, compared to what we have, which is none, yes, it's a lot. So Pitch grabs Lance by the arm. She's never wanted to do that, okay? Do you guys realize that? She's never wanted to grab Lance by the arm before. She grabs him by the arm, says, we're going to find some money. Come on. And then to the owner, don't sell that. <laughs> so the store owner says, "Don't worry, I never sell anything, do I?" Call to Necker, and he's talking to the cow. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love Bex's delivery of that whole bit where you know 
oh no, we shouldn't be here. And, oh my gosh, it's this. It's just uh, I love the delivery <laughs> and the whole thing where uh, where she says, "Is that a lot?" It, it is. I don't know if that's a deliberate tip of the hat, but I thought of Star Trek Four when Kirk was trying to sell his glasses at that antique store on Twentieth Century Earth. And the, the store owner offers, I don't know, I think it's 250 bucks or something. And Kirk says, is that a lot? <laughs> so uh, fun stuff. Love it. Uh, I love the delivery of the vendor, the store vendor. I love every line that the vendor says, <laughs> and especially how the voice actor delivers that line. Don't you, Neil? Uh, you know, it's all in the direction. It's all in the brilliant direction from Andrea Romano. You know? <laughs> It really is. Yeah. Look, I, I like to do stuff like that because it, it, it catches people uh, out of left field. It's like, but wait, you're the deep voice mean guy. You know, it's like, yes, I'm also the star guy, too. It's what I do. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, it, it makes it more fun, you know. Look, I'm the guy on bench just going, put me in, coach. You know, I love I love to do whatever I can to help the te- to help the team win. <laughs> and the team appears to be winning, so you're doing a great job. Thank you. So Karan spots someone he thinks can help him, sneaks around to ask her a question. She looks like a typical teenager who works at a mall, but doesn't care how good her customer service is. Mm-hmm. I love that bit. I love that bit. Mm-hmm. Is that Cree also? I don't want I. I don't, uh, you know, like I said, there are certain things that are not necessarily recorded all together, and there yeah. are certain things that are recorded 20 months ago uh, <laughs> that uh, were recorded <laughs> together, but I don't necessarily remember who recorded what line. Gotcha. So, and sometimes what'll happen is, you know, they'll they'll record the episode and then have the guest come in, because I'll, I'll guarantee you, uh, I did not see the Sham Wow guy record. Okay, I think I would have got, hey, that's a Sham Wow dude. You know, I think <laughs> right. yeah, I might have noticed that. So, pretty sure he was not there at the time I recorded. Like for instance, uh, the episode um, in season one that Norman Reedus was on. No, I was not there when he recorded. Right? Uh-huh. I was. I watched that with you guys, and I was just as surprised as everybody else when I heard him and went. I know that voice. <laughs> oh, okay. He's on the show too. Cool. You know, so much as I would love to tell you, and I don't want to even speculate because again, should I get it wrong? It's different than anybody else speculating and being wrong. Understood. So I kind of hesitate to comment on stuff like that. Cause again, I'm always, you know, I joke around and have a lot of fun. But when I joke around and have a lot of fun, hopefully it's obvious to everybody that I'm not violating my NDA because I'm talking about something that's obviously not true. You know? <laughs> um, and, but when it's something, it's like, look, I just the other night saw The Girl with All the Gifts. And Walking Dead doesn't really scare me. The Girl with All the Gifts scared me because, you know, you hear about stuff like parasites and you hear about fungus and infections and things like that. So it's like, that could happen, you know. That hit a little close to home, right? The whole world could turn into zombies from a fungus. You know that, right? That's true. That's a true, <laughs> that's a true movie right there. So it's like that stuff, that's the stuff that scares me. Towering Inferno scares me. Armageddon doesn't scare me. Right. You know, 
So I don't, I'm scared by real world things like violating my NDA. <laughs> <laughs> or the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, yeah, which for me would not be good considering we live in a small apartment. So <laughs> that would be bad. Nowhere to run to. Oh, wait, I shouldn't do that. You guys probably don't pay ass tap. Stop. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I love that interaction. I love the animation of the girl. The voice was perfect. And Karan just trying to get the information. I mean, it was just, to me, I mean, my two favorite Karan scenes in this were that and then when he finally gets the lens later and he goes through the through the the, the bargaining the negotiation you yeah know? i love the bit at the end where he goes hee hee because <laughs> reese just does some really it's, it's great because at one moment he'll be really big and then the next he'll be really really subtle mm-hmm. you know and if you're not paying attention you may not even pick up on what he's doing and it's just it's so for lack of a better term delicious yes you know and it, the interaction with the girl in customer service is just it, to me it's like a quintessential Quran scene without going over the top without getting too buggy as mm-hmm. it were you know because he's a little bit funny and he's a little bit still on mission yeah does that make sense yeah yep absolutely okay, cool. phew i said it in english yay <laughs> and it's got king groggery the infirm i mean what's not to like <laughs> yeah, so Karan says, ah, one of the Unaloo. And the mall girl says, like, can I help you? And Karan says, yes. Can you tell me where the other market is? And she says, the what? I love how that line is delivered. It's, it's like there's, there's, there's multiple <laughs> syllables in the word what. Right. <laughs> And then Karan says, well, some might call it the black market. And she says, I don't think I know that. Maybe check there. And she points to the mall directory. (laughs) Karan says, I don't think this would be on the map. It might be more off book. Hmm? Wink, wink. Maybe this will help (laughs) you remember. And he slips her some money. And she says, again, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he says, ah, the old Unalu shakedown, eh? Fine. Starting to get a fuzzy recollection yet? And she looks at the bill that he gives her, because he floated out like five of them in front of her. And she says, who is this? And she's pointing to the picture on the bill. She says, is this you? <laughs> he says, no, that's King Gregory the Infirm. And he goes, you know what? I'll find it myself. And he walks away. And she says, eh, I am so out of this dump. I love that delivery, too. It's so just perfect. <laughs> I am so out of this dump. <laughs> so that was great. And then we go back to Repit Sal's, where it, it, more of this hilarity continues. Hunk says, I got to escape somehow. He looks at the scrub brush he's using to clean pans, and he says, maybe I can scrub through these cuffs. just love it well there's a robot that has clearly not had maintenance in a while and it looks like it's just about to short circuit puts up another order that looks awful just awful and repid sal says 43 the customer looks at it and wonders what it is sal says sustenance unit complete in jest the customer goes away (laughs) looking sad the robot finally blows a gasket And Sal says, huh? Oh, not again. 
Now who will be my sustenance preparer? Hunk says, <laughs> I got this, Sal. Uncuff me. Sal says, you? Hunk says, trust me. I'm an enthusiastic gourmand with an incredible palate. There you go. <laughs> Very good. I love that line. I love that line. Yeah. Please continue. He says, also, your robot is dead on the floor. And, and I love that part, too. The whole the whole line there where he, you know, the first part, I'm an enthusiastic gourmand with an incredible palate. Also, your robot is dead on the floor. I mean, the way Tyler Labine delivers that bit is just great. I love the contrast there. It's it's a continuous statement, but the, the subtle change in tone with that last yeah. sentence is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a fortunate man to be working with some very talented people. <laughs> <laughs> and Sal says, hmm, that last part is true. He doesn't uncuff Hunk, but he cuffs him to the dead robot instead. <laughs> he says, all right, work. So Hunk picks up the next customer slip. And Hunk says, okay, now watch this. I can't read this. Doesn't matter. I'll just improvise. Do you smell how the tanginess of Tuber Master really brings out the charred flavor from the Palmagoran filet. And Sal's about to pull the rope that rings the bell, and Hunk says, no, no, we won't be using that. Let's just say, number 44, your order's up. And a lady shows her ticket and smiles, then picks up the plate and walks toward her seat. And Hunk says, enjoy your meal. She bites into it and acts like it's the best thing she's ever eaten. And Sal stares in amazement. Sal says, what did you do to her face? It's cracking. <laughs> and they watch her as she seems to like it. And Hunk says, she's smiling. She's enjoying her food. Sal smiles and gives him the next ticket. And Hunk rolls up his sleeves and says, okay, let's provide some sustenance. <laughs> so Hunk is in his glory now. So now we go back to Shiro and Black Lion. Shiro, with his closed eyes concentrating, says, show me more. We see Black Lion floating through a battle in space, and the wings have spread out feathers, so to speak. And Shiro says, those wings, you have powers I haven't unlocked. Then he sees Black Lion transport out of the middle of the battle, reappear on the outskirts of the battle, turn around, and fire into a ship, destroying it. Shiro says, incredible. Real quick, I love that this is clearly uh, a foe that we've not seen in the series to this point. So whatever was going on 10,000 years ago, there's some threat that maybe the Galra and Alteans were working together to fight. One of the things that I've been very curious about in this series is the rationale for Voltron. I mean, you know, obviously we know Voltron's been around since the 80s and da-da-da-da-da, but in the context of this show, I really want to know who built Voltron and why. And this episode, you know, sheds some light on Black Lion being a, a joint venture of the Alteans and the Galra, but why? Why build lions that form an enormous robot? What kind of foe would you be building that to defend the universe against? And from a comet. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe we will see in future episodes. Okay, so then we see Zarkon piloting the black lion that Shiro sees. And Zarkon says, I've got you now, Paladin. Yeah, well, and the visual of that was great. Just the, you know, the frame and, and how the face pops like that. You know, you're watching and you're really kind of getting into the, the information that Shiro's getting. It can be just as jarring for... For the viewers, it is for Shiro. Like, whoa, wait, whoa. 
you know, because suddenly, you know, Zarkon's kind of locked in. You, you forget that by Ciro communicating that way, he's he's opening up a free line, and he forgets that uh, somebody else shares that number. Yeah, this this episode, this bit from this episode reminds me of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, where, you know, the lead is using his telescope looking across the way, and all of a sudden the killer looks him right back in the face. And it's yep. it's that chills up the spine kind of a thing. And uh, we get the same vibe here. Great stuff. Yeah, Shiro sees Black Lion turn toward him, then a bright light, and now Shiro is pulled out of his lion. He's draped in like a purple glow into space and lands on a surface that looks like space clouds. And he's facing Zarkon, who's standing right in front of him. And Zarkon says, you are a fool to face me here. Which is true. <laughs> Black Lion is now sitting on the same plane as them to the side. And Zarkon says, when you die in this realm, your body dies as well. And then I will take control of Voltron. Zarkon comes charging at Shiro, hitting him and knocking him back. Then hits him from behind, sending Shiro flying forward but he lands on his feet. Shiro comes screaming back at Zarkon, and they get into a scuffle. Shiro's right hand is glowing really bright purple, and it streaks as he moves it. Then Zarkon twirls around, hits Shiro in the back hard, knocking Shiro hard to the ground, which he bounces off of and careams into space. Zarkon follows, hits him down to the ground again. Shiro's getting really roughed up here. As well he should. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. Please. That Zarkon is one bad guy. Yeah. Man. Well, in the best kind of way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so back at the space mall, Varkon is trolling on his hover bike. And Varkon says, I'll find you, pirates. He sees a large crowd gathered near the food court. Actually, it is not they're, not, they're not near the food court when he first notices them. Because it's a line. It's a big old line. It's a long line. Yeah. So he right. notices them somewhere else and far out of the food court because hunks that awesome. Right. <laughs> and I love the poetry between having having a transition from Zarkon to Varkon, and they're doing kind of the same thing. They're both on the prowl, you know, or, or in pursuit, you know, looking for their enemy. So it's really awesome. But the funny part in this one is once he sees the crowd, he stops and then he backs up the hover bike and you hear beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Right. You're supposed to. It's for safety. What are you? Are you against safety? Yeah, but we're talking about a simple little hover bike here. This is like me taking my bike and, and backing it up and, and saying beep, beep, beep as I'm doing you it. You say that until you get run over by one of those going backwards. Are, are, are you saying that most people's bikes don't have those beepers on them? I'm sorry, most people's hover bikes. Usually it's like <laughs> dump trucks or something like that, okay? Big you trucks. Have no idea how powerful that hover bike is. Varkon well, is a for big that dude. With a beer gut. Yeah. You know? I mean, here he's he's doing his job, he's being safe, and you're ridiculing him. I don't think I like that attitude. Yeah, against Zarkon's number two, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> there is that. So Varkon says, what's going on here? He starts moving through the crowd. And he says, official business, excuse me, this is a fire hazard. I'm in the middle of a hot pursuit. So people are lined up for repit Sal's. We see Hunk yelling at Sal in the kitchen. I said over medium. Over medium, you rube. 
Does this look over medium to you? Sal says, no, chef. <laughs> Hunk throws the dish and he says, then let's get it right, huh? If it ain't perfect, it ain't coming out of this kitchen, people. Sauce me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hunk Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So Sal gives him the sauce container and Hunk quickly drips sauce. He should have turned around and said, Donkey! <laughs> have you watched that show? Not in a long time. So Hunk quickly drips sauce over four plates in a few seconds and he says, Now you're getting it. By the way, neither Hunk or the older lady are chained up anymore. So he turns around, lifts up the plate and says, Bon appetit. Everyone claps as Varkon finally gets up front. He says, I got you now, pirate. Where are your friends? Hunk steps back in surprise and looks at Sal. He says, don't forget what I taught you. Those are the fundamentals of cooking. <laughs> this is one of Tyler Labine's favorite lines from our, our interview with him. Mm -hmm. He's saying this as he jumps over the counter and kicks Varkon backwards, hover bike and all. <laughs> Sal says, that kid is a genius. I don't care if we have to search the entire galaxy. I want him back at Frepit Sal's. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. What are you thinking about, Neil? I'm just wondering if we'll see a return of Frepit Sal, if maybe he'll be like Harcourt Fenton Mud, sort of like pursuing, you know, the whole time, just after his white whale. Forgive the, uh, you know... Wow, that was that was unfortunate that I said that. But I think you know what I mean. <laughs> Hunk is Moby Dick. Yes, yes. Maybe Vrepid Sal's does a chef competition just so that they can, you know, bring Hunk or back for or it. Or maybe Vrepid Sal becomes the paladin's worst freaking nightmare. You never know. And by the way, I love the Harry Mud reference. Kudos. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> The, the three names, the full name. I mean, you got that one, too. Right? Exactly. I'm just saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Leo Walsh. Leo Francis Walsh. Yeah. Wait, wait. Who? What? That was his alias in oh, Mud's Women. I was thinking, wait, wait, that was Roger C. Carmel. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. That, too. <laughs> uh, I think we've left a few nerds in the dust, so please, let's continue. <laughs> if you guys are done being Dennis Miller, can we move on? <laughs> All right, chat, chat. <laughs> now we're back to Shiro and Zarkon. Shiro is charging at Zarkon, but Zarkon keeps blocking his blows. Zarkon says, You could never take my place at the head of Voltron. Zarkon kicks him back hard, and he bounces down hard several times, then gets on one knee, and Shiro says, You can't pilot the Black Lion after everything you've done. You can never lead Voltron again. You're no paladin. This makes Zarkon charge Shiro, who punches Shiro back again. Shiro stops and stands his ground, and Zarkon starts to charge again. Zarkon says, you have no idea how to command a weapon like this. Shiro says, no one commands the Black Lion. So Shiro keeps trying to hit him, but Zarkon keeps disappearing and reappearing in different places, and Zarkon says, you dare lecture me? Zarkon lands a hard hit that makes Shiro like a meteor in a crater, and he grabs Shiro's throat, lifts him up by it in front of Zarkon. He says, do you think the Black Lion would allow such a feeble creature to pilot it? 
Only the powerful can command it. Shiro's hand lights up brighter as he says this. You've forgotten what's most important between a lion and its paladin. It's not about power. It's about earning each other's trust. As he says this, the black lion's eyes light up. Zarkon says, trust has nothing to do with it. The lion is mine forever. Now as Zarkon squeezes stronger, Shiro yells in pain. Black lion comes down hard next to them and opens his mouth. Zarkon says, huh? And then the bright quintessence comes out like a bolt from Black Lion's mouth and hits Zarkon. And you see Zarkon back on his own ship, surrounded by the druids again. Not cool. Zarkon just screams out, no. That's what I said, not cool. (laughs) Hagar says, sire, what is it? And Zarkon says, my connection grows weaker. We must hurry if we ever wish to reclaim Voltron. And I love that Zarkon, you know, normally very collected and, you know, even keeled when addressing even, you know, even his more annoying subordinates gets riled up during this fight. I mean, he's he's got a lot of irons in the fire here with Black Lion, and it's neat to see that he gets he's, he's getting agitated here. This is a big deal. Well, it's not just about power, you know, it's I mean, there's look. It also hurts when you start to lose a connection with somebody you love, you know? Yeah. So there's that. I like how we have sound effects in the background that are like Brepit Sal's kitchen. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> sir, sorry, gotta feed the buster. Gotta feed the... <laughs> These are the fundamentals of dog food. Anyway. <laughs> that's good. I like that. So, Shiro regains his consciousness inside Black Lion's cockpit. And Shiro says, did you just save me? Thank you. Let's go home. And by the way, that's also another moment that, especially for the fans, you know, just makes this episode really fun, really exciting. It's because there's just this gem of a moment between Shiro and the Black Lion where it's like, you know, it's sort of jump-starting the relationship. It's sort of like just giving it a little charge. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's just that one little moment and sometimes those are the best parts you know not not big scenes not big not big monologues not big changes in the overall story not big jumps but just a little significant moment and I, another reason why like i said you know stepping away from being involved in the in the cast i mean that's one of the reasons i love this episode so yeah yeah completely agree cool All of a sudden, space disappears. Shiro sees he's on the castle ship. And then he says, we never left. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. He must have gotten hit on the head by a falling window frame. (laughs) I sure hope all of our listeners got that reference. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so at the space mall, a hand reaches into the water and pulls out a coin. Pidge says, oh, this tenor looks like the last one. So how much we got? Lance says, 1196 Gak. Pidge says, we're so close. Lance, look. They see a shopper about to throw a coin in the fountain they're standing in. Lance says, already on it. Lance jumps and dives and catches the coin in his mouth. And then he makes dolphin noises. 
Do you think he would have made those noises if he hadn't already been to the Planet of the Mermaids? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Good point. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> so Pitch says, yeah, let's go. And Lance says, holding up the coin, ha ha, they head back to Terra. Lance says to the person who threw the coin, thanks. Now we're with Hunk. And Hunk says, gotta hide, gotta hide. He's standing in front of the bathrooms. And Keith comes out of the left bathroom that had the blue marker on it. So Hunk grabs Keith at the shoulders and says, Keith, he's right behind me. Keith says, who? Varkon almost passes by them, but he stops and reverses. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Safety first. <laughs> Varkon says, pirate number two, my lucky day. And he chases them and they run. Yeah, so Koran has the paladins ranked by height. And Varkon has the paladins numbered by, I guess, the order in which he catches them. I don't know. That's right. That's, <laughs> but, that's yeah. the order in which he catches them. <laughs> so they're back at the Terra store, where we now see the front end of a DeLorean on the right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Through the front window of the store. And Lance and Pidge are about to leave with their booty. And the store owner stops them. And he says, hold on. With every purchase, you get a free call to Necker. A free call to Necker! <laughs> so when we we actually had benjamin kaltenecker on as a guest and i thought it was really cool that not only did they name a cow kaltenecker but this line suggests that they named an entire species after him yes yeah i love that <laughs> where we would say you get a free cow he says kaltenecker which means every cow is named kaltenecker yes okay now that's deep it is <laughs> So Hunk and Keith come running by, and Hunk says, time to get moving, guys. Keith yells, security's on our tail. And then Varkon says, there's the rest of the crew. <coughs> so Pidge and Lance see Varkon, and they leave so fast that they knock over the, the store vendor. And this is where you see the b and tattoo on Kaltenecker's left hindquarters, yeah. as we heard from our interview with Benjamin Kaltenecker. Yes, very cool. That's actually his real-life calling card from uh, from his earlier days as a, as a musician, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So Lance has Kaltenecker in tow as we see Varkon's view of the four paladins running. As they get near the ledge of the second level, Lance has an idea. He says, everyone up on Kaltenecker. They follow him up on the cow. And Hunk's saying, did you buy a cow? Pidge says, it was free with purchase. <laughs> Now, I had to point out real quick that they said that, uh, what did they say? Security's on our tail. I love the uh -huh. pun because, you know, a cow, you know, yep. hey. Anyway, love it. <laughs> so they keep going and Barkon continues pursuit after he gets down the escalators. So back to Koran, who's still looking for the skull trite lenses, which I think everyone else forgot about. <laughs> Koran says, hold on a tick. This looks familiar. Oh, looky, looky, an original Unilu swap shop. So the Unilu pushes the bag out of the way to reveal himself and says, Good eye, friend. Oh, by the way, this is Paul Rubin's character, right? Yes, yes. I love Paul Rubin's. Oh, he's awesome. Anyway. He says, This shop's been in my family since before the Empire began. So how much are we talking here? Before the Empire began. Well, uh, if I may put on an even geekier hat than I normally wear, uh, Zarkon was referred to as a king 
in the flashback scene in uh, uh, Crystal Venom, I think. I think that was the episode. It was either that one or Rise of Ultron. We mm-hmm. saw, we heard him refer to as a king, and now he's called an emperor. So the empire may have actually begun after Allura and Koran were uh, put in cryopods. But uh, who knows for sure? And Zarkon became an emperor. Yes, yes. Okay. So that that was an interesting line I thought we need to pay attention to. Yeah. So he says, can I interest you in a butcher barrel or perhaps a set of window breakers? Karan <laughs> says, tell it to have lenses. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I don't have any idea what these pieces of junk are. <laughs> he got really excited there. Had to pull himself back, didn't he? Haven't we all had those moments? I mean, you know, you're... I got I got I, you know, when I when I was watching this, I was just, and I have no idea, but somewhere in my geek brain, I was sitting there and hoping that these gentlemen had the opportunity to do this scene together as opposed to separately. Yeah. But again, it just it just points out the the great direction by Andrea Romano that you know you can't tell, you you can't tell. You know, it's it's everything is seamless as far as the performances, but those two men are just so funny that I hope, in my little dork heart, I hope that they had the chance to record that together. Yeah, that would have been great. It's like when you're you're looking at a house and it has a jacuzzi tub, and you go, "Oh my god, a jacuzzi tub!" Um, I mean, um, <laughs> I wish it was a regular tub. Yeah. I- <laughs> I I remember in the mid nineties when I was just getting back into, uh, I still had all my childhood star Wars action figures and I was going around flea markets and you could still get them for, you know, fairly reasonable prices back then. I mean, now they're astronomical, (laughs) bad pun, but, um, (laughs) But I remember I'd occasionally see like a blaster from uh, one of the tinier blasters that's easily lost in some junk bin at an outdoor vendor. And I remember getting so fired up and thinking, oh, no, don't act excited. Don't act excited. So so this scene fires don't a lot of Don't tip your hand. Don't tip your hand. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. So the Unilu says, I see you've got your eye on these antique glass table toppers here. Mm-hmm. Karan says, well, they're pretty ugly. But I do have an empty curio cabinet for grotesqueries. How much do you want? Unilu says, how much have you got? Karan says, oh, I have a handful of pocket lint. The Unilu says, I'll take your firstborn child. Karan says, I might be able to throw in a used handkerchief. (laughs) Unilu says, I could accept your left foot. Karan says, I'd be willing to sing you a song. Unilu says, you become my butler for one year. Karan says, two Altaian crown bills. Unilu says, five alluvium ingots. Karan <laughs> says, oh, would you accept an IOU? Unilu says, of course, I'll just need some collateral. Maybe ten alluvium ingots? <laughs> Karan says, or how about this? One Alkari flying cube. Unilu says, you've got a deal. So as Karan leaves the swap shop, he sees the four paladins on the cow. Pidge says, there he is. Keith says, we got to go, Karan. Karan jumping up on the cow on the run says, I got the skull trite lenses. The Unilu coming out of his shop says, skull trite, hold on a tick. And Karan says, no take backs. 
So real quick, when when they when they're going back and forth and they make their deal at the end, and the Unilus says, "You got a deal." That's where Karan uh, goes, "Hee hee!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just the perfect signature to that scene. I just love it. <laughs> and of course, there's all kinds of animation going on around them as they get closer and closer to each other. Right. So Varkon says, "Get back here, doggone it!" And as they reach the exit, for some reason, Varkon has to stop. He says, you better run. Don't let me catch you in my jurisdiction again, pirates. Lance, now getting confident, leans up and says, oh, so you can't follow us outside, huh? And then he proceeds to hit his head on the ceiling arch. <laughs> and Varkon says, that's one for Varkon. Nice. So back on the castle ship, they all return to the bridge. And Karan says, we got our lenses. And Allura, whose hair is all done up now by the mice, it's... Looking pretty ridiculous. <laughs> she says, excellent. Now we can get the Teladav up and running. And Keith says, where's Shiro? And then Shiro appears on the bridge and Alora says, what did you do? Take a nap? Shiro says, not exactly. And he looks at the cow and he says, is that a cow? And Lance appears to have a bandage on his forehead now. Says, mm-hmm, his name is Kaltenecker. Keith says, so did you find a way to bond with your lion? Shiro says, yes, and we need to get moving. We're headed for the Blade of Marmora's headquarters. Karan says, I'll plot a course. And Pitch says, while you're doing that, I'm going to hook up the video game Lance and I bought. Sweet. Now Lance holding the controller says, yeah, let's get this baby set up. Pitch says, where can we, how do... Realizing that there's nothing to plug it into. Her, her face goes absolutely crazy. And then she just yells, no. <laughs> I, I remember the old days with like the Atari 2600 and uh, having to hook the, the cables to that weird looking box that, that, that connected to your VHF, rabbit ear antenna. UHF, yeah. yeah. And, and having the little switch, is it channel three, channel two, channel four, whatever. And, uh, oh man, that stuff was painful. <laughs> boop, boop, beep, beep, boop. I'm sorry. I'm re I'm sorry. I was just reliving the good old days. <laughs> so I was always confused about whether it should be on three or four too. So Mm -hmm. Glad we don't ever have to go through that again. Mm -hmm. I That's think right. it was based on which station you didn't have. Yes. You know, so like for us, we had a channel four. So if you tried to put it on channel four, the signal would get overridden by the signal from channel four. So we used channel three. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, yeah. there was no channel three by us. So the channel was open. So you didn't get that extra interference where you'd start seeing the episode of Days of Our Lives when you're trying to play Pong. <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about, younger listeners, is analog television broadcast over the air. <laughs> Using an antenna. Yes, yes. When you would move it a little bit, it would be perfect. And then you'd stop touching it, and then all of a sudden it would go staticky again. Okay, okay, okay kids. Remember that gal in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that looked like an insect because she had the antenna? We used to have those things on the TV itself. Perfect. Thank you for bringing it from the present day back. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, gotta give and, a reference. Yeah, and the TVs were thicker than six inches, weren't they? Uh, yeah. A lot more. Uh, 
I just, uh, for a day, I just want to be able to have the power to mess with people's horizontal holds and just <laughs> watch the kids flip out. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Why we won't it the... stop rolling? <laughs> we control the vertical. We control the horizontal. Yeah. The, the funny thing is when you're a parent, right? I'm always a parent. I don't know about you. I mean, you may be obtuse sometimes, <laughs> but I'm, I'm usually always a parent. Well, apparently... That's wordplay, kid. When you have children, yeah. okay, okay. And, and those children see something unusual and they don't know what to do, and you just make one little slight adjustment, you look like a genius in their eyes all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Because there's this crazy thing they have no idea how to how to do anything with. Yeah. And now it's the reverse for me. My five-year-old knows far more about her fancy pants TV remote than I ever will. But, uh, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> I just talk to my remote now. <laughs> but uh, on the subject of old-school TVs, we had a 19-inch color TV. Uh, they, they were, you know, enormous. They were bricks. And I remember we were watching TV one night, and the thing caught fire. Just all of a sudden caught Say fire. What? Yeah, and my dad, oh, God love him, he, he ripped the, the, the cord out of the wall socket, picked that son of a gun up, ran uh, ran around to the front door, out into the front yard, and threw it into the yard. <laughs> wow. And, you know, the thing weighed a ton, so I can only imagine how his uh, arms and or back must have felt afterward. But uh, he saved the day, so that was my uh, kid thinking parents a hero story. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway the reason that i said i talk into my remote is because i have xfinity and xfinity is owned by comcast the owner of dreamworks animation how's that for cross promotion uh-huh so wow you getting any kickback for that yeah so i just want to make sure everybody understands if 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 you have comcast and you have xfinity and all that kind of stuff you're you're doing good for voltron Ah, there we go. That's the connection. <laughs> nice. Maybe we'll get a live-action movie through Universal Studios one of these times. Wow. that's That would be a great idea. Through our friends at DreamWorks. I, I don't want to get paid for anything. I don't want any kickbacks. I just want the live-action Voltron movie done right. Okay? okay. That'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> That'd be nice. Anyway, the one thing that kept popping up in my mind for some reason among... The many things that I nerdily watched was How I Met Your Mother. And so between the sparkles and the mall, I kept kind of flashing on Robin's sparkles. And that will mean something to literally two people listening, because I'm sure the crossover between How I Met Your Mother and Voltron, not that huge. <laughs> not that huge. But I'm one of them. And she, she was an 80s pop star or 90s pop star, excuse me, who had the song, Let's Go to the Mall. Nice. So I might suggest for a little bit of fun, check that out in YouTube. <laughs> we had you on for, for quite a while, so we appreciate it, Neil, very much. So oh, thank you for joining us for this review of Space Mall. It's always fun. And like I said, this was this is probably my favorite episode. There's so many great elements to it. For me, it's almost like a highlight reel of the whole show because there are some episodes that are funnier than others, some that are more dramatic than others. And this had them both, as well yeah. as kind of a, a big moment in the storytelling of the overall arc of the show. 
Right. So, and, you know, nice little moments for each character to shine. So I, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to come back and, and uh, talk a little bit about it. So you guys are always very tolerant with me and my shenanigans and uh, <laughs> with my uh, furry cohort occasionally trying to get in on the show. So thanks. I appreciate well, it. We love having you on, seriously. And for all of our friends out in the Twitterverse, you can find Neil at at kneecap, N-E-K-A-P. And you can find Buster at at Buster Kaplan. That's right. Thank you so much, guys. You are the best. I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Yes. Thank you, Neil. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Neil. Have a great night. Well, it's always great having Neil Kaplan on with us, isn't it, Greg? It is, and Space Mall is such a fun episode, and Neil helped to make the review of that episode even more fun by being Neil Kaplan. Uh, He's just a riot and just a lot of fun to be around. So thanks again, Neil, for being part of the review. Um, If you don't mind, Mark, I've got a couple points I wanted to make about malls, believe it or not. There is an episode of Voltron Force which featured a mall, and that was the episode brains so if if you've not had enough of malls by watching space mall check out brains from voltron force also if you're a horror fan or a zombie movie fan or you like the walking dead the quintessential mall movie is probably george romero's dawn of the dead which was filmed at monroe mall in pennsylvania not too far from your neck of the woods is that right mark well, Monroe Mall? Yeah. I think that's on the other side of the state, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know Pennsylvania. <laughs> Monroe County, I think, is on the other side of the state. Okay, so the, I guess it is kind of far from you, but uh, it's in uh, it's in the right region of the universe. How's that? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, so anyway, that's <laughs> enough about malls and zombies. Okay. <laughs> well, as I recall, those ones in Brains did not end up actually being zombies. Yeah, yeah. Even though Vince was really sure that they were. Yeah, so that was my stream of consciousness there. Why did why did I make the leap from malls to zombies? I guess I should have said that, but you did it very adequately, Mark, so thank you. <laughs> okay, so we had Neil on with us. We talked about Space Mall. That was awesome because that is one of the most favorite episodes of a lot of Ultron fans right. from season two. Mm-hmm. Now we got to talk about season three. Ah, let's do Yes, because there is the possibility that we're not going to get done all of our Season 2 episode reviews before Season 3 starts. Yeah, that's possible. We're in, uh, what is this, end of June, early July? We've got how many more to go? Five or so? Uh, Six, I think, uh, because we just finished Space Mall, which was Episode 7. Ah, yeah, so six more. That means there's six more to go. Yeah, we've been one episode a week. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're not going to make it. <laughs> I can tell you right now. Yeah. We'll get two more episode reviews in before I have to go to San Diego. Yes, for San Diego Comic-Con. Right. For San Diego Comic-Con, which we now have information about what's going on with Voltron. Woohoo! <laughs> this all came out through Nerdist, and it just came out today. Yes, today we're recording June 30th, so that's today. <laughs> So here's what we learned, okay? Mm -hmm. DreamWorks Animation Television and Netflix will present a jam-packed Voltron Legendary Defender panel at San Diego Comic-Con 2017, 
with the series showrunners and voice talent debuting the premiere episode of the highly anticipated third season of the critically acclaimed Netflix original series. Wow. Now, I myself and my wife <laughs> will be attending San Diego Comic-Con. We'll be there to catch all the Voltron action. Awesome. Okay. So, fans will be treated to a first look into the exciting third season of the pop culture phenomenon, Voltron Legendary Defender. You'll get to join executive producer Joaquim Dos Santos, co-executive producer Lauren Montgomery, Bex Taylor-Klaus, the voice of Pidge, and Tyler Labine, the voice of Hunk, in room 6BCF for a special screening and a sneak peek at what's to come for Team Voltron. Wow, cool. The panel will be moderated by Kyle Anderson, associate editor of Nerdist, and he's also the one who wrote the article that launched this all today. So following the panel, DreamWorks is calling all Voltron cosplayers to meet Joaquin, Lauren, Bex, and Tyler at Fandom Fest at 2 p.m. in the Petco Interactive Zone for a Voltron cosplay and fan meetup. Wow. And when we, when we say Petco, that's Petco Park, where the San Diego Padres play. Ah, not like Petco, the pet store chain. Okay. Well, even though it's it's sponsored by the pet store chain. Right. We're, in this case, we're talking about pet lions, Voltron lions. Yes. Right. So inside of Petco Park, the baseball stadium, there's going to be an interactive zone. And during that time, 2 o'clock on Thursday, that's Thursday, July 20th, let me go over this schedule so you can see this all here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thursday, July 20th is the DreamWorks Voltron Legendary Defender panel. That goes from 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. in room 6 BCF at the San Diego Convention Center. That's Thursday, July 20th. So during this, of course, we know Zarkon has been defeated and Shiro is nowhere to be found. And without a pilot for the Black Lion or the ability to form Voltron, the team must quickly devise a plan as the ascension of Prince Lotor pulls them into a perilous game of cat and mouse. Hmm. So we said that Joaquim Dos Santos, Lauren Montgomery, Bex Taylor-Klaus, and Tyler Labine will be there as they debut the first episode of Season 3. And attendees will receive an SDCC exclusive poster created by the Voltron crew and the new Voltron chapter book, the Rise of Voltron from Simon & Schuster. Very cool. That poster, we know, is the all-characters poster. Right. Okay, so you got one of those from Season 1 when you were at New York Comic Con. Right. And now they've added another one for Season 2, so you get to see all the characters from Season 2. And what's really cool about these two posters is if you line them side by side, you can see they go together. That is really neat. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if any other lithos will show up for future seasons that might also connect to these. Very cool stuff. And then that Voltron cosplay and fan meetup at the Petco Interactive Zone, which they call Fandom Fest, goes from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on that same day, Thursday, July 20th. So they're calling for all Voltron cosplayers to meet out there. The same way we kind of met when we were at WonderCon, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We did a Voltron cosplayer meetup there as well. Yeah, that was so much fun. Wow. Right. Now, the following day, Friday, July 21st, uh, there's going to be a signing. So all the Voltron Legendary Defender people will be there, the same people we just mentioned, Joaquin, Lauren, Bex, and Tyler. 
They'll be in the autograph area and sales pavilion at the San Diego Convention Center from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon. So that's the autographing area located in the sales pavilion. Sounds cool. Now there's another thing that's going on that's pretty cool. And this is happening from Thursday to Saturday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And from Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Also in the Petco Interactive Zone. And it's called Hunk's Food Goo Replication Station. <laughs> nice. It's Hunk's own food truck. Wow. So, as Koran would say, Ahoy, young paladins, I've whipped up a big batch of focusing food. After this snack, you'll be forming Voltron six times a movement and twice on the astral conflux. Nice, nice reference to some assembly required. Take a break from the crowds and have a cold and refreshing treat on us. DreamWorks Animation Television is bringing every paladin's least favorite snack to San Diego. <laughs> green food goo. Nice. Now, here's what I hear. I hear green food goo is related a lot to frozen yogurt on Earth. Huh, so it might not be as bad as the paladins make it out to be. Right, but Hunk's Food Goo Replication Station is serving Altea's finest green goo while supplies last. Awesome. Now, also happening while you're there on the con, at the con floor, you know, where, the, where all the vendors are, at booth 1903, that's 1903, you'll see Lion Forge Comics. They're giving away free black lion masks while supplies last. Massive 22-inch by 34-inch four-color posters while supplies last. Four-color bookmarks. And they'll be selling Voltron Legendary Defender Volume 1, which collects issues 1 through 5 of that miniseries. Very, very cool. So we're talking about the trade paperback for the first volume of that comic series. Yeah, it's a great comic series. If you've not checked it out and you aren't going to San Diego Comic-Con, uh, you can find those online or uh, at Target stores. They might still be available. Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to mention that wasn't mentioned in any of those articles was Han Cholo. You remember we told you in the last episode that Han Cholo would be having a con exclusive, those five lion head enamel pins, mm -hmm. in addition to the Voltron head, six pin set it's the five lions and the voltron head and they only have 50 of these six pin sets wow so once they're gone they're gone so you want to make sure that you get there early at the han cholo booth as soon as you can on thursday then the next thing you want to do is check out the rest of their stuff because there's a brand new lucky yellow lion pendant now why do i say it's lucky I don't know why. It's not all of Yellow Lion. It's Yellow Lion's foot. Oh, like a rabbit foot sort of thing. Right. It's like a lucky rabbit's foot. But it's the claw of Yellow Lion. Hmm. So here's the thing. We're going to show all these pictures so you can see them. But uh, there, there will be pictures of the Yellow Lion pendant, the lucky Yellow Lion pendant. And, of course, the Green Lion Pendant is still there. And we also have the Voltron Legendary Defender Ring. The original Voltron Ring. We also have the Red Lion Ring. And we still have, like, those cufflinks. Mm-hmm. And we still have those earrings. Wow. Lots of great Voltron jewelry goodness 
at the Han Cholo booth. Sounds cool. Right. So all those things are available. We'll have pictures on this podcast for all those things. That's cool. Okay, so you want to make sure you check all that stuff out because San Diego is going to be awesome. I have no doubt. And so uh, I do want to assure our listeners who cannot attend San Diego Comic-Con, you are not alone. I will not be there this year, but I look forward to hearing all the great news from Mark and any other fellow fans who happen to check out the con. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And of course, we'll be getting interviews while we're there as well. Yep. So that should be great. And of course, when I come back, we're going to, you know, bypass those uh, episode reviews for a little bit so that we can give you all the things that we covered at the con. Yep. When we get back to those episode reviews, we might already be close to season three by that point. Yeah, but uh, it'll be good to cover the con and uh, bring San Diego to Voltron fandom around the universe. That's right. So another thing that's going on in the world is we found out that... Playmates Toys, the Wave 1 of toys that includes Ultimate Voltron, the five legendary lines that form together to form the giant 16-inch Voltron, of course, all the basic figures, all of that is now available in Italy. Very cool. So it's beginning to uh, uh, make its way around the world. Yes. So we want to thank some very special Voltron fans in Italy for sharing those pictures with us. And, of course, we're going to include that on the podcast page as well. Nice. That's an exciting thing. Yeah. That may mean that Playmates toys may start getting to other areas of the world as well. Yes, let's all hope. Because those toys are awesome. Yeah. And speaking of those toys, there's a new item that's beginning to show up uh, in some retail stores here in the USA. Spotted at numerous Toys R Us stores is an all-new box set of all five of the Legendary Lions. And the name of the item is a very appropriate Voltron Legendary Defender. So that's actually the name of the item. Uh, it's an enormous box. It has a cool flap on the front, and when you flip it up, you got a nice window that displays all five of the lions. As with the sold separately legendary black lion, it's sort of a try-me package with a little hole in the window that lets you press the, uh, the, the light and sound button on the side of black lion's waist. It comes with all of the accessories and all the wonderful awesomeness of the separately sold five legendary lions, uh, but it's all in one box set. So if you've been having trouble buying these lions individually in stores, hopefully you haven't bought too many of them yet, you can get all five of them in one swoop with this box set. Again, these have been spotted only at Toys R Us stores in the U.S. Uh, the retail price that we've seen so far is $99.99, which is a bit less expensive than if you were to buy all five lions separately we don't yet know whether the new box set will find its way to other retailers or to any retailers outside the u.s all we know is what we've heard and seen ourselves uh, but stay tuned to the podcast for more info as we get it well that's how they used to present all the combining lions that formed one giant voltron in the past they usually had them in one big box where you opened it up you could see windows of each of the lions and then you'd be able to take them out of the box and 
form Voltron with them. Right. So the Matchbox sets of the past, those iconic die-cast metal lions from the 80s, yes, you could get those in the big box set, or you could buy them in smaller sets. You could get black on its own, and uh, red and blue were bundled together, green and yellow were bundled together. This is sort of like that, just as you said, Mark. So this is kind of a fun blast from the past. The box is really cool. The front, the flap that uh, opens up, has a very large image of Voltron from the television series. It's it's a drawing. It's not a picture of the toy. But you see the toys, of course, when you open the flap. It is a really nice and uh, convenient way to pick up all five lions. And there's even a handle on the box for convenient carrying to your uh, cashier. Nice. So, yeah, check it out. It's uh, It's really cool. Well, I can tell you this, just the excitement that came out on Twitter when the announcement came for San Diego Mm -hmm. and that people would get to see a premiere episode of season three. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows? You know, these guys are always full of surprises at these conventions. So one thing that I continue to still hope for is that we'll get to meet the voice actor who does Lotor. Yeah, let's hope. That'll be very interesting. Even if you don't meet him, if as long as they don't chop off the credits in this sneak peek of the first episode, you should at least get an additional voice name that may be tied to the character, if if indeed Lotor actually shows up in the first episode. So uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, how do you think they'll handle that? Uh, based on how many lines he might have in an episode or something like that, do you think he would be considered one of the regular cast, or do you think oh. he would still come in as additional voices? Now, that's a very good point. I don't know, but, you know, Lotor was always more hands-on in all of the previous Voltron shows, Defender of the Universe, The Third Dimension, Voltron Force. If uh, if Lotor has the prominence in Season 3 that Lotor had in previous programs he may indeed be added to the cast i had never really thought of that yeah so that that would be interesting to find out there (laughs) i mean it it all depends on on how you know how they portray him in this new series yeah is he going to be in every episode nipping at the heels of the voltron team yeah you they talked about this being a cat and mouse sort of thing Mm-hmm. That sh- certainly implies much more frequent and possibly direct interaction between uh, Lotor and the Paladins. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, and some of the cool things that happened in the past was using Hagar as, you know, somebody who could do some magical things that would, you know, sort of catch the, the Voltron team by surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering if that kind of thing is going to come back. I don't know. I mean, this this Hagar is more subdued, more secretive, and very loyal to Zarkon. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Lotor and Hagar interact at all, you know? Right. Yeah, they could have a very different dynamic this time around. So uh, we'll see what happens. Right. I know just a lot of fans are getting really excited about this Season 3 coming up. And, of course, we still have Lance's birthday on July 28th. So we go right from San Diego to Lance's birthday to season three wow so that's a lot <laughs> and there's no room for us there is there <laughs> i mean nope. we, we just got to keep on going through these episode reviews our coverage of the con our coverage of you know lance's birthday and everything and then at the same time we still have to finish up the season two episodes and then get into our season three episodes of course we're when we see season three together you and you and I are going to go over the whole thing, you know, just as a, a whole picture look mm-hmm. at the whole season. 
Yeah, kind of a first impression wow sort of deal. Yeah. Because a lot of fans have asked for that, believe it or not. Hmm. Well, they'll get it. <laughs> they want to hear our whole impression of season three mm-hmm. uh, before we go through individual episode reviews. Okay. Works for me. We've done it before. Yep. We'll do it again. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us for this week. Yeah. It's been a good one. Thanks again to Neil Kaplan for helping us with the Space Mall. Yes. Thank you, Neil. And we'll see you all next time on Let's Voltron. Let's Voltron.